Everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Lunch with Legs. Legs Malone here, wishing you all a very happy, cool, wet spring, especially if you are here in New York City or anywhere on the East Coast. It is cold, it is damp, but it is spring, and I cannot complain, nor will I. I hope you guys have been well. I am so excited to bring you today's episode because not only is my wonderful interviewee, a dear friend of mine who has some extraordinary stories to tell, but she is pretty much the embodiment of all things summertime for me. But I'll be getting to that more in just a second. Before we begin, I would like to encourage you guys to continue shopping on Amazon via our portal. If you go to www.lunchwithlegs.com, that is our fancy, sexy website, you will see on the right-hand side of the page below the PayPal donation button, which PSU are welcome to use and abuse as you wish, a wonderful graphic of Joe Boobs Weldon's excellent book, The Burlesque Handbook. If you click on that, it will whisk you away to Amazon.com, and as long as you click on plenty of things to purchase and purchase them in that same visit after following our link, we will get a small uh, percentage of your sales, so you can help us by helping yourself to whatever it is you want, and any and all support is most deeply appreciated. So... For today's episode, I am very pleased to bring to your ears the melodious sounds of the fabulous woman that is Bambi the Mermaid. I met Bambi many years ago, and I think she's just the most wonderful woman and performer, and New York City, well, the New York City burlesque scene owes her a great debt of gratitude because she has created and fostered quite a scene, uh, not only of her own doing, but also down at Coney Island's Burlesque at the Beach, which we do talk about, as well as heightening all of our awarenesses about mermaids on all levels. We do get into quite a mermaid and uh, myth discussion at the beginning, but I'm super excited. I interviewed her in her apartment in Manhattan, and you may hear a funny noise in the background, and that would be her 20-year-old cat named Violet, who is incredibly spry for such an elderly, elderly feline, but man, she's got quite a voice on her, so <laughs> just so you know, it wouldn't be an episode of Lunch with Legs without some sort of animal or small being-based interference. So go ahead, pull up a chair, pour yourself a cup of something good, and get ready for my interview with Bambi the Mermaid. Bambi the Mermaid, welcome to Lunch with Legs. How oh, are you? Legs. <laughs> How are you, honey? I'm excellent. <laughs> so excited that you're at my new house. I know. I love that it's it's not often I come to uh, people's houses to record, so it's a real treat to be oh. here and to see your new home and um, know that Mr. Velvet Underpants is on the porch, your fantastic long-haired chihuahua. Um, but yeah, no, thank you so much for having me over. This is really... Thanks I mean, for coming over. Absolutely. You are... I uh, I mean, when I... You, I think you were one of the first personas uh, within the burlesque community that I first came across when I first moved back uh, from London. And I, I just... I, I want to know everything about you, Bambi. But I'm going to start with, um, I guess... How did, I'm just going to go right to where, how did you get to know about mermaids? Because you are the archetypical mermaid for me and for many people, certain, not just in the burlesque community, but Coney Island. I mean, everything. And you're such a beach baby as well. And going down to Wiki Wachi down in Florida. And I just tell me, tell me about you and mermaids, Miss Thing. Well, you know, uh, it's just sort of one of those archetypes, I think, that, um, you know, girls probably identify with some sort of a, a, a an early archetype of, um, you know, I don't know. I don't really know. I get asked this all the time, but I, I don't really know. I mean, I just, I, um, I, my parents got divorced when I was about eight years old and my dad moved to Miami. And once I went to Miami, that's where I really kind of awoke and 
was awoken to the ocean and to the beach and to swimming pools and to art deco and palm trees and everything that you know was my my real aesthetic that I'd kind of been waiting to discover and um I don't know. I mean, you know, I just always played mermaid. I always loved, you know, being in the pool. And I don't know. I think other, you know, other girls played whatever, you know, ponies or horses or princesses or whatever. But mermaids were just always my thing. And and, uh, and I went to Wiki Wachi really early on. My dad took me there. And I was, you know, that sealed the deal. Can you, for the listeners who don't know uh, about Wiki Wachi, can you describe it a little bit? Wiki Wachi is the city of mermaids. It's in Wiki Wachi, Florida. It has been a roadside attraction since 1947, wow. and um, it has gone through, you know, in its heyday in the 50s and 60s, it was uh, very popular, and, and that was like a, a main destination on your drive south. There wasn't Disney World or any of the bigger, you know, I-95 now cuts right down the middle of Florida, but mm. before that, you went down the west coast on the edge and you would, you know, go right by Wikiwachi and all like Elvis went there and, you know, all the celebrities went there and did photo ops with the mermaids. So what happened anyway was it's a natural spring. So it's something like an upside down volcano, basically, where uh, Is it an aquifer. Um, it's a spring. Oh, spring. OK. But it comes from water comes from it. The water that comes into it's so think of it as an upside down volcano, right? Okay. So the mouth of the spring is way, way, way down and it's connected through a big series of underwater limestone caves. Mm. But the interesting thing is they've been um, researching it really heavily, like National Geographic and uh, places. The world's longest dive was recently held there where someone was um, dove for like, I couldn't tell you for sure, but like 20 hours or something, the longest dive, as they are trying to map out this underwater cavern system because they actually don't know where the water comes from. Like it's not rainwater. It's not purified ocean water. It's a source water a magical source water and they have determined that when the water makes its way through all these underwater caves and caverns and mazes and emerges into the spring that water is over a hundred years old so it's not like oh it rained last year and this is the rainwater the water is has been percolating underneath you know the state of florida or i don't know where you know who knows atlantis obviously (laughs) (laughs) for um (laughs) over 100 years which is really mind-boggling so it comes up into the spring and it's like a big punch bowl there and then it drains off into what becomes a crystal river and that crystal river is crystal clear and it goes all Mm. the way makes its way out to the ocean so that is then. Hey, it's UPS. And UPS is here. We'll we'll (laughs) pause. (laughs) (laughs) All right, UPS has come and gone. (laughs) Bambi has her new couch cushions. (laughs) My new cushions. (laughs) So going back to Wiki Watch. Okay, so um, yeah, so it goes into this river that goes eventually empties out into the ocean, and the really cool thing is it connects. All the um, manatees come in when the ocean gets too cold. They come in through the estuaries and swim all the way up into the Wikiwachi Spring. No. And they line up on the edge of this, like, punch bowl crater, and they literally put their little fins, their little front flippers under their chins and watch the mermaid shows. No And they line way. up on the edge. So... Oh, my God. It's really magical. So it's also kind of um, the Fountain of Youth. It's like where a lot of that Ponce de Leon stories of the Fountain of Youth came because it's always been this really magical crystal clear water source. So Indians have, you know, lived around it for, you know, forever. It's been this really amazing, special place. And this guy came in um, the 40s. My God, I should know his name. I do know his name, but um, and he he developed the first ever underwater housing for for, for cameras, so it was basically like this big barrel, and he invented oh, wow. the first ever underwater photography and film. So they filmed part of like Creature of the Black Lagoon and um, some other old famous underwater movies were all developed and filmed there through his technology, and he then excavated under. First, he dropped a train car down. And you could go into the train car and watch his mermaid shows. Oh, my And he God. put on, the, they were called the aqua bells, and he made these special um, water tubes that weren't really scuba because it's not, you don't inhale the air. The air is just constantly being pushed out, so it's really hard to learn on these hoses that the mermaids breathe on. But they mm. would breathe on these clear hoses and do these big, elaborate underwater ballets as mermaids and then eventually he excavated the entire side and built a permanent theater, like 
up you know underground on the side of the spring underwater so it's like is this. it there's like a big glass wall or something big glass wall and theater seating all the way up in and it's oh my god freaking incredible and you've swam there i've swam there yep and um so eventually, you know, I made lots of trips there, obviously, and I was just in love with it. But then my boyfriend grew up about an hour from there, an hour south of there. And in, you know, like the 90s, they really, it was a privately owned park still. And once they put in I-95, all traffic just started going zipping down the center of Florida, straight oh, to Disneyland man. and, you know, Orlando, and completely bypassed. Weeki just sort of fell into oblivion, and only really hardcore fans and aficionados of roadside attractions would go seek it out. But there's doesn't have a beach. It's not really by anything else. So it was really, it was on its last leg. But the shows never stopped, just continually running. And there was, you know, hardcore grandmothers that grew up and would take, you know, their little granddaughters there. And it was a tradition of people going, but it had gotten so small and kind of run down. And um, so they were having a big campaign of, it's called Save Our Tales. And they were trying oh. to raise awareness and let people know. Because every, everyone we even mentioned that we were working on something to help the park was like that place is still around that's still open no way you know like oh, everyone wow. just thought it was gone completely gone so my boyfriend came up and shot their first ever calendar that they ever had Amazing. of all the girls and uh, brought a tremendous amount of awareness and huge fundraising powers and um so we we got on board and i went down and helped with that for several years and um then eventually they raised a ton of money and then um finally florida state came in and made it a state park so now it's permanent and it's yeah and protected protected and and, um you know hopefully they're going to be putting a lot more money into it but um you know the crowd the awareness is way up and crowds are back and i went uh i guess it was about two years ago to the 75th anniversary which is wow very similar to exotic world and burlesque hall of fame because all the old mermaids came and there was oh mermaid the oldest mermaid that came was 92 years old and she had been one of the original aquabells that (gasps) swam in the 40s and it was just like i mean you could imagine i was like dying over it dying it they were just all the ages and they all sat up in this huge um bleachers like the mermaids from the 40s the mermaids from the 50s the mermaids from the 60s the mermaids from the 70s the mermaids from the 80s the mermaids from the 90s and the current mermaids and and I was made an official um honorary wikiwachi mermaid oh, and I got a sweet. big diploma and a big ceremony oh my it was god so thrilling and I just met all these like you know these mermaid grandmas that were like decked out in like sparkly mermaid t-shirts and big gold mermaid earrings <laughs> and like I mean you just can't even believe it and they come with their scrapbooks of all their clippings oh, because God. there used to be you know a lot more press and they would all be in the papers and life magazine and you know just all this stuff that they had done when they were mermaids there and they came and they had to live on property they would get on a bus and like leave their town in the middle of you know wherever Wisconsin because they wanted to be a wikiwachi mermaid and take a like oh, three day bus trip there God. and then just like begin training and be a mermaid for a few years and it's so great my god yeah that i i mean ever since hearing about it i would love to go there you have got to go there it's so great it's just so badly i mean i'm um i'm a i've studied a lot of geomancy which is earth energies and water in especially natural water that comes from the earth i mean that's very much divine feminine energy um and you look at like the ley lines, which are the masculine-oriented, um, you know, energy lines, but then the yin is the water, and typically, like old religious sites are on underground water. They're very draining. They're not necessarily good to live on top of. Um, but you look at archetypically what water is all about, and cleansing and healing, and you know, and certainly in mythology, mermaids, water sprites, nymphs. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's such a rich, rich history, um, and mythology as well, which I'm sure is based in, you know, stuff that actually happened, even though we've distanced ourselves from that quite a bit. Well, mermaids, you know, to me, they're, they are the archetype of, um, what I most identify with in female character, which is just curiosity and, um, openness and, um, a very, like, I mean, like, to me, mermaids are just have an extremely unquenchable, like curious nature to learn about everything and find out about everything. And they're really loving and they're very accepting. And I also really like that they're not really like a feminine ideal. You know, they're 
they're an ideal of being really happy in your own skin, you know, and being, I mean, you could be like a hideous hag mermaid, you know, or, or you could be a really beautiful mermaid or, you know, I don't know. There's just something about them and, and like through the mermaid parade, you know, you just see all these little girls that are really loving mermaids and the parents are not, um, I feel like the parents are not nearly as judgmental, you know, like the mm-hmm. parent will push over their little three-year-old girl, even though you're like a topless mermaid, <laughs> you know, but they're not, I don't know, they're not um, inhibited and they make other people feel uninhibited and they're just so, yeah, like earth goddess or water goddess, but, and you know where um, mermaids came from, right? From Lilith, you know, about that story. Like, no, no, my, no, no. I mean, I know this, the myth of Sedna. Um, which is grim as fuck, but fascinating. But no, please tell me. Well, Lilith is Lilith, 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 and Adam were created by God at the exact same time. At the beginning of you know bef- before Eve was ever dreamed up, it was Lilith and Adam, and Lilith and Adam were equals, and they were both. At, Lilith was not created out of Adam. Lilith mm-hmm. was her own, the female, and Adam was the male. And then Lilith was very strong-willed and very curious and very sexually aware and very sensuous and very, um, you know, uninhibited. And Lilith would initiate sex with Adam and wanted to basically, you know, wanted to make love, like, rather than to be taken by Adam. And throughout time, Lilith, you know, that was not going to be allowed. Women were not allowed to have that kind of equality or that sort of power. So they tied Lilith's legs together and threw her into the sea to drown her and rewrote the Bible and rewrote the story of creation, which was Eve being made out of Adam's rib as his subordinate partner for Adam. Like that was all like made up later on. That was not the original form of Genesis, even in the Bible, like Lilith was first. They threw her into the ocean, and that's where she became a mermaid. Oh like, that's gosh. where mermaids came from. <clears throat> I mean, I was familiar with the story of Lilith um, and how she was cast out of the Garden of Eden because she did not please Adam or she did not, you know, suit his whatever. Um, she wasn't subordinate. <laughs> she wasn't subordinate. Thank you. Yes, she didn't listen to him. Um, but, uh,. I mean, I know in astrology there's uh, Black Moon Lilith, which they talk about a lot about, you know, the dark side of the moon. Um, but also, um, are you familiar with the myth of Sedna? Um, she's kind of like, she's got a more mermaid, I mean, she has a sort of mermaid-like energy, but it's a little darker. Um, it was an Icelandic or Scandinavian um maybe even Norse, I can't remember anyway, where it's very dark and very cold and very harsh. Um, Sedna was a beautiful uh, woman. I mean, she was young. Um, I think she was the only daughter of her father. She was very headstrong, very strong-willed. And um, she wanted to get married. And there's something around like not wanting to work or not wanting to work for her father, really wanting to strike out on her own, dreaming of traveling far and wide. And one day... She, I don't know, she was out on the rocks somewhere, like, I don't know, fishing or doing something out there, and this man appeared to her, and he was very charming, and she was like, oh, you know, he looks lovely, and he said, you know, why don't you come back to my island or something like that, and she was like, okay, and then he ended up turning into this, like, evil crow being and kidnapped her and stole her away, and... Um, uh, Sedna's father heard her screaming and so went out in his boat to go rescue her and got her somehow in the dark of night uh, when at this point Sedna's husband or man who had laid claim to her wasn't aware of it and she got on the boat and her dad started taking her home and then the evil man woke up and started flying after the boat and the dad got so scared that he threw Sedna overboard and she held on to the side of the boat screaming for her dad to save her and he started hitting her fingers with the oars and her fingers fell off and they became the seals and then her something else fell off and became the whales I think it was her arms Um, and she ended up sinking to the bottom of the ocean and living like all the way she never died Um, but she, the archetype that she represents, um, the whole reason I know this is because there was an ice planet found 
years ago that was then named Xena for fucking warrior princess, which I don't necessarily agree with, but the that's where I learned the myth of Sedna because Sedna was about the wronged woman and the wrath, the the angry side of you know a woman scorned. Um, so anyway, just to share another wow, sort yeah. of like sea, wow. <laughs> a female sea myth. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, and, uh, apparently like during. Um, like when she gets stirred up, like she's basically all, I don't believe that she's all rage. I think, you know, she's more from the siren vein, luring and calling. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, and stealing stuff from above, but also all of the whales and dolphins and seals. And uh, I mean, I'm sure further south, the manatees, you know, are her allies as well. There's a whole, uh, the, all the mermaids that are from sort of the Ireland, England, Wales, that whole area are called selkies, and they're half seal, half mermaid. Oh, is that where the term comes yeah, from? Yeah, selkies are mermaids, seal mermaids, and um, something about, you know, their seal skin, and people steal it and steal their souls, and I don't know, it's a whole entire story, but I oh always liked that. Are you familiar with any other mermaid, like, archetypes in any other cultures? I'm thinking, like, Russia or... I mean, there's a lot. There's, you know... You know, no, I don't know them all. You know, but just out of curiosity. No, but they're they're pretty much everywhere. You know, anywhere there's water, there's African mermaids. You know, there's really beautiful. I've seen really beautiful imagery. I notice it over when I'm when I'm traveling. You know, like in Thailand, I just discovered really beautiful mermaids in Thailand that they have. Um, I forget what they call her. You know, it's some Thai name, but it's a Thai goddess. She's on a lot of. Um, in nail salons for some reason huh. they always oh, have she must be the goddess of beauty yeah or something. she's some kind of like, <laughs> yeah. well mermaids also I mean they always with the mirror which I know has been interpreted as very vain but I, I can't help but wonder a more like mystical side of that you know being a sacred mirror like showing you know reflecting back to and reflecting the, the soul I think it's yeah. more about the depths of the soul and the surface of the water reflection and I think that's where the, the mirror kind of comes from she gets sort of shafted like she's just staring at how beautiful she is. But, and, um, well, that's a very convenient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, it. I mean, it's true. And so. it's true. I mean, it's, <laughs> she's stunning. She's gorgeous. <laughs> that's that's amazing. So when did when did Bambi the mermaid get born? Um, that came about from. Um, I mean, you know, I, I didn't have an official mermaid name. I definitely would have told you like I'm a mermaid. You know, without really like um necessarily meaning it but when I moved to New York um, when I first got here I I had always had this weird deja vu about Coney Island like I always had told like I always was asking my parents like when did we go to Coney Island when I was little you know and they were like well you never went to Coney Island I'm like yes I did I did we went when I was little you know like I was convinced that I'd been to Coney Island and I'd seen the pictures and I'd been I mean I was just completely Positive, I'd been to Coney Island, but um, apparently I hadn't, at least not in this lifetime or not, you know, in, in, mm-hmm. in a, this conscience, um, you know, lifetime. But um, I was certainly, you know, really connected with it, and I've never really had deja vu about anything, but like I had real deja vu about Coney Island. And so as soon as I moved here, um, you know, I was out like immediately went to Coney Island and um, I'd been hanging around Coney quite a bit, and I'd seen a lot of mermaid stuff out there, but I actually hadn't heard about the mermaid parade. Like, maybe it was the whole, like, within the first year that I was living here. And one of my first friends here was, like, um, knew about me loving mermaids and was asking about the parade. And I was like, what do you, you know, what do you mean, the mermaid parade? Like, I I hadn't even put it together yet. And he was like, well, there's, you know, there's this huge mermaid parade. (laughs) I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) What? What? And uh, he took me, and I went. Um, two years in a row and just photographed the entire thing like in a complete freak out state of <laughs> living the next 364 days to get back to the next parade wow. you know like it just so uh, I mean it obviously changed my entire life and um, it was the third year was coming and my friend was like why aren't you in the parade you know and I was it just like it was another like light bulb moment of like well what do you mean like why would I be in the parade you know and he was like I'm pretty sure you could be in the parade I'm pretty sure like anyone can be in the parade if they want to be in the parade I was like what do you mean like <laughs> what like <laughs> what and um you know this is pre-burlesque or pre-performance or anything so I was just kind of I was actually a photographer and you know it was kind of voyeur and prowling around all this stuff you know on the outside looking in and um I looked it up or you know I don't know I mean I think it was probably even kind of before internet or anything you know I was 
more than 20 years ago. So um, I don't know how I found out that, yes, indeed, all you had to do is, you know, pay $10 and be in the parade or something. So we made a huge float and I rode in the parade and I I couldn't believe it. And I was, um, you know, by far the most rabid fan that had come along in a long time. And by that point, I had, you know, infiltrated and ingratiated myself at Coney Island USA and was hanging out with Dick and Fredini and Kiva and uh, and all the performers there. And um, I was starting to perform a little, you know, but I didn't really have an act. And I had mermaid costumes from the parade. So I was being a mermaid. And then um, I also worked at a strip club, a regular old strip club, Billy's Topless. And... um, which is, you know, another whole story, but I had, I was doing a lot of other crazy stuff and doing a lot of fetish, um, fetish balls and fetish performing and working as a dominatrix and, um, or actually I was working as a baby as my, as, um, an infantilism. Oh my God. (laughs) And I was baby Bambi and like, I don't know, it just all kind of like came together. I got Bambi, uh, you know, from stripping and from being a professional baby and then, uh, people, people actually put it together like oh Bambi the mermaid like you know and like Bambi the mermaid came from people saying Bambi you mean that mermaid like so um, yeah it wasn't really like a conscious thing to be Bambi the mermaid but um, you know that's just what happened happened. (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh, yeah the rest is history I think I've been in the parade I think this is my 21st year marching in the parade never missed one Oh my God! Yeah, I have to say, and every year that I've been, you you consistently turn it out. I mean, between you and Bunny and Whitney, and I mean, just but I'm always just so impressed and so blown away by your commitment and your love of it. It's just it's so inspiring. My high, you know, my high holy day. The very the pinnacle of my year long calendar for sure. Pretty much everything centers around it. So. You know, do you know know what you're doing this year for it? um, I think I'm going to be all gold. I'm pretty sure. I got this, uh, that wig up there. See that? Oh, wow, that sequin. I brought that back from Thailand. Yeah, so that's kind of going to be the. Oh, my God. Is that a bow on front with. Oh, my God. Yeah, isn't it crazy? Oh, my God. So I have my old, my old burlesque, uh, one of my first burlesque. numbers it was that gold mermaid tail do you remember that mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it's all pink and gold so yeah it's kind of beautiful. too trash to perform in anymore so i think i'm going to revamp that and um, i kind of like also that it's so old you know i've been performing in it for 20 years so i thought it'd be really nice to actually oh revamp gosh. that and it matches that crazy wig so i think i'm going to be i'm going to do gold body makeup with heavy glitter and be all like gold and glitter with that big glitter wig on how do you do the body makeup and the glitter and how does it stay on I mean, you're in beauty school right now. You're a gifted makeup artist. Yeah. Well, you know, you can stick it on pretty much with anything. A heavy coat of lotion or even your sunscreen will hold on, you know, pretty good coat of glitter. But if you really want to majorly do it, you can do a real sheer layer of, um, you know, like a latex or something and put the glitter on. yeah. But pretty much, you know, if you do like a cream body makeup, like the gold I'm going to use is a cream. So if you put that on and then pack on the glitter on top of that, it's not going to really go anywhere. You can spray it a little bit with hairspray if you wanted to to Just really it, like yeah. set it, but it's not going to really go anywhere once you once you get it all on, except in your eyes. And <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say on the in the years because the Mermaid Parade. When I first uh, heard about the Mermaid Parade, it must have been back in like two thousand four, two thousand three, something like that. I think it was two thousand three. Um, apparently, they were like, "Oh yeah, it always rains. It always rains for the Mermaid Parade." Um, it's only rained like once in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the year, I mean, I've only ever been there on beautiful sunny days. Um, and for me, I mean, I, I have to say I do love the Mermaid Parade, but it is so hard with all the photographers and all of the people like, hey, hey, turn around, turn around. I, I become the world's grumpiest mermaid. I'm like, I want to kill all of you. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I give it up. 
a billion times a day to every single solitary cell phone. I don't care who it is. Like I will stop and everyone I'm with, Whitney and Lynn and everyone else gets super fed up, you know, and they're like, come on. No, (laughs) no, this guy with the little paper throwaway camera just asked me to stop. And I'm going, I give it up equally for like the big news crews with all their big cameras or, you know, some... I love that. Uh, you see the people with the little bitty disposables and the, you know, to now the cell phones, you know, billions oh, of them. Oh, Jesus, but yeah. I treat everyone equally and <laughs> give amazing. them all a thousand percent. And I, I love all that. Queen of the mermaids. Yeah. I love it. That's amazing. That's so much fun. Um, I wish people could see the look in your eyes. Oh, my God. It's so much fun. (laughs) Oh, my God. I really love it. Yeah, because that that parade's been around for 32 years or something now. Yeah. Or 31. This might be 32. 32. I think that big, the big, uh, I think the 30th was two years ago, 30th anniversary. Yeah. Which is incredible. I mean, I I can only, what was it like when you started doing it? It must have been pretty small because now it's it's changed a lot. Yeah. I mean, just like with anything, you know, when it's not as good as it used to be, you know, but it was, um, you know, 20 years ago, it was, it was much more manageable and it was, um, there was no barricades or anything, you know, so there wasn't, there was no holding the crowd back. The crowd was on top of the parade, but it was kind of amazing because it wasn't, you know, like any sort of, there wasn't any structure at all really. And the cars would start like, Basically, it started at the cyclone. It's sort of opposite of what it did now. And the cars drove up onto the boardwalk, and the cars drove down the whole entire boardwalk. Like, the first probably two, three, maybe even four years that I did it was before they replaced the whole boardwalk in Coney Island. So the cars used to actually go up, drive, all the way down the boardwalk. So I rode a car. I had a float that was a car for the first few years because you could just ride on the hood the entire way and we would just cover the and crust the whole car in seaweed and fish and stuff and just ride up on the hood. And um, that was really amazing. And so then they eventually we did the boardwalk and they wouldn't let the cars go up anymore so then i started doing like push carts like little um you know things that my poor friend dan howell has you know pushed and pulled me over all those wooden <laughs> boardwalks up the wooden ramp for like <laughs> years and years uh one year we rode a couch we had a big couch on, <laughs> on wheels oh with four God. mermaids sitting on a couch and we had this whole team of like sailor boys that had to pull our huge couch up the ramp and down their wooden blah, 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 for like hours oh my God. but yeah somewhere along the line it just became easier to walk so now i just <laughs> even though it's painful and takes a very long time um i've been walking the last few years and that's kind of fun too because especially because they've just the crowd is you know quadrupled and there's like a oh my god it's i forget a what they said now i think over a million people come out so they really you know it's it's sort Holy of sad shit. to see the way they have to put up the police barricades and hold everyone so far back because it used to be you know people would just run out into the parade and take your picture from an inch away the whole entire route you know now they won't let anyone you know get anywhere near the actual parade they're so far back sometimes it makes me really sad because yeah because well i mean the only way to see the parade with any like room is to be in the parade now because they block off all of surf avenue yeah and everyone's just on the sidewalk yeah they don't even encroach onto the road with the barricades Uh -uh. Uh -uh. i i feel sad about that but people still come you know more people come than ever so i guess it's it's still fun but it's not quite as um you know, down and dirty and quaint as it used to be. It's, you know, it's been forced to be a lot more organized, a lot more security, a lot more rules. And I, mean, I guess you'd have to with that level of crowd. Yeah. It's amazing. But it's still, you know, it's still just as fun in its own way and just as special. And the look on people's faces and the kids. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And like, my favorite are the moms who cover the kids' eyes when you go by and like, <laughs> oh, say pasties and underpants. <laughs> I'm always still, you know, just thrilled when when moms push the little kids over to get their picture taken. You know, I'm like, this is so cool. If you were some woman in a like thong bikini, and some, you know, they would like pull their kid away or be like, don't look, you know. But it's like you could be a naked mermaid, and they're like, go stand with the naked mermaid. <laughs> they push them over. Like, like that is really cute. <laughs> Well, speaking of naked mermaids, um, you 
uh, would it be correct to say you are the, if not one of the founders of Burlesque at the Beach down at Coney Island, USA? Yes. Um, I'm technically not the founder per se because the first year um, it was Fred and Kiva's show and it wasn't called Burlesque at the Beach. It was called Tears' Wine Baths, which was um, named after Tirza, who had the last remaining burlesque house in all of New York City, which was located in Coney Island. Like, um, you know, they'd all been shut down in Times Square and there was one remaining in Coney Island. I think it was there till... Uh, maybe 1961 or two even, wow. pretty late. And um, Tirza was a famous burlesque dancer, and she had a, a big clear glass shower that she would take a red wine bath in. That was her shtick. So um, there had been, you know, no real performance. But what was happening uh, was like 90. We always argue whether it was 94, 95, but um, it was... There was no real, there was no burlesque. There was no, the word was not being used. And even Tears' Wine Baths wasn't really burlesque. It was um, a variety sort of night. And it was sword swallowing and magic and the paint-proof rubber girls who did um, like bed, contortion and bed of nails. And um, it was a lot of circus and sideshow arts mixed in with a little bit of what was kind of like this performance arty burlesque that was just barely happening from Blue Angel and there was an otter, some people like that that were around that were performing and doing things that were somewhat burlesque but it wasn't necessarily striptease or or um, it certainly wasn't being called burlesque but it was like, you know what was left of, you know Penny Arcade and different performance people and nude performance art you know and then there was this group of girls like um, from Jackie 60 and stuff and girls that were doing like kind of scandalous nude performance and weird things but not really burlesque per se and I was doing that kind of thing I did Blue Angel and I was working this there was a topless bar called Billy's in the city where all these um, like Jessica Rabbit and all these girls you know like um, Viva Knievel and Otter and um girls in you know the early 90s were stripping there but not just like strip stripping like bringing some somewhat of a little bit of costuming and acts if you will you know but like very loose you know like stuff and I was doing that but then I was also working at Coney and I had a big snake a big um albino python I was doing snake charming oh wow and a little bit of you know better nails walking on glass and stuff like that but for the show you know I was I had the snake, but I wasn't one of those snake charmers that wanted to do, like, belly dancing with the snake. I don't know. Like, so I usually did it as a mermaid in a beautiful mermaid costume. And it was sort of like, now what? You know, like, how am I going to really round this out? So I just put in the strip tease to make it a more of a complete act, you know. So I would do, like, a stripping mermaid with the big yellow albino snake and, um, you know, and using, like, exotic music and stuff. And then I uh, started doing Cornstar where I laid the egg because it was also kind of... And I was doing geeking, too, like eating um, crickets and worms. Oh, and really? Yeah, I had a whole, like, geeking burlesque strip number, too, where I would eat bugs and stuff. So those three things were, was what I did. And it wasn't really burlesque, but it was what would become burlesque. But it was just what I felt like rounded out a nice show, you know, mm-hmm. like some nudity and some, like, scandal and rounded out, you know, the more, more serious, just, like, sword swallowing and the other stuff. So it was, like, about... A f- just a few of us, Shelly Baum, I don't know if you ever remember oh, yeah. her. Shelly did this um, sort of French maid number where she would take off all of her French maid costume and hang it on a clothesline. It was, you know, but it still wasn't really burlesque. It was performance art and fetish. There was all this fetish balls and all these fetish things happening all the time. So you would, I would get booked, they would get booked to perform at these fetish balls. And it was a little more meant to be like fetishy, but it was still performance. And it essentially was like a three minute burlesque number, you know, but it was wow. more, less like slap, sticky, sticky, slap, sticky, what burlesque sort of evolved in the joyous nature of burlesque. But a little more came out of like fetish or like Otter would, um, you know, wear a big bridal dress and drain her own blood into a chalice and drink it. So it was kind of Whoa. like that kind of like shock, you know, more like shock sideshowy like stuff. So. Um, we were doing that and then around that was the whole first year and it still wasn't really called burlesque and then um, the Fred and Kiva got divorced that very year the first year and um, Kiva left the show and Fred asked me if I would help him produce it for the following season so I was really the producer from the second year on and that's when we just got more and more burlesque and we found out um, there was this old club called Flamingo East here that was kind of like Blue Angel and um, Tigger and Julie and Dirty had been working there which was 
technically, like that was coming out of go-go dancing. You would have these go-go dancers was very popular in the early, early 90s. But if you were super creative, you weren't just go-go dancing. You would kind of bring an act, basically. You'd have a character and you'd throw in like a whole strip just to prolong your go-go set. You know, you'd start out fully dressed and you'd take off some, take off more, take off more. And Flamingo had these really elaborate, like what was technically go-go, but it was basically burlesque acts too. So I started going there. I met Julie and Dirty and Tigger, and we started booking them in to Burlesque at the Beach, which was still called Tirza's. And then the crowd was more and more and more into, obviously, the strippers and the burlesque. And so it was like <laughs> surprise, the sideshow <laughs> started dwindling down till eventually, the format in the beginning was like, uh, you know, seven sideshow acts and one strip number, you know, and then it just, you know, then it was half and half, and then it was like seven strip numbers and one sideshow number by the end, <laughs> you know, it was like, damn, there was enough people, and that's what the audience, you know, was really loving, and the, we were calling it Tirza's, and then we found out that Tirza was actually still alive, and <gasps> she sent a cease and desist letter. Oh, shit. Through her lawyer <laughs> telling us that we couldn't call it Tirza's, you know, that she was, you know, she would not allow it. And um, we didn't fight that hard, so we switched it over to Burlesque. We called it um, Burlesque Arama for one year. Immediate, we called it Tirza's for like probably two or three years, then Burlesque Arama. And then um, we switched over to Burlesque at the Beach, and that was really like sort of summed it up because, um, you know, it was just a full blown show at that point. And uh, we were only doing. June had half of June, July and August on Friday nights, I think, and it just grew and grew and grew and grew as more and more people got on the bandwagon to perform, and you know, eventually, then we ended up going to Thursdays and Friday nights all the way from May to October because it was just you know huge demand and a ton of performers and just great shows, and it's been so great. And I really like to think, um, you know, I know there's a lot of other venues and a lot of other great shows in New York City, but we are the oldest and the longest continually running. And um, I feel like a lot of other shows, like Slipper Room or other things that have been around for a really long time, you know, um, they're really, really, really good and equally as good in their own way. But something about Coney really attracts people. I think it's a short season and the way we curate it, each troupe or each producer pretty much only gets one date. So they bring kind of the best they have to offer and they spend, you know, virtually the whole year planning what they might want to do that following year to make it really special and you know it's not always a money maker because it's a little bit of a risk being in Coney Island if there's bad weather or um, you know something else competing maybe the audience isn't as big as you hope but I don't think really anyone comes to Coney to produce a show thinking they're going to make a lot of money it's just because they want to like it's an artistic Achievement. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a form of a mecca, you know, for New York City burlesque to go out. I mean, I will know, I remember the date and the first show that I ever went out to Coney. I got booked very last minute. I guess somebody dropped out of a show, and I got booked. I was amazed the producer even knew who I was. It was May 25th, 2007. Wow. And that was the first time <laughs> I ever set foot in Coney, first time everything. And it was just, I, the minute I got out there, I was like, oh, the my God. The first time you came to Coney was to be in the show. And I'm from Manhattan. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it was, I mean, it was long overdue. But I, I will never forget stepping out of the train and smelling the sea breeze and feeling oh, the air gosh. on my skin and being like, oh. And the funny thing was. The lights I, and the, the music. Li- everything. And- everything. And it was, I mean, it was warm. I mean, I'd gotten there really early, really early. And so the sun was still up, and I, oh my God, I'll just, and I remember my, I took out my cameras before I had like, you know, before iPhones had been invented, um, and I had my little camera, and I went to take out pictures, like, I'm going to photo document all of this, and I took one picture right inside Stillwell Avenue, and my camera died. Oh no. And my thought was, tonight is a night to be experienced, not recorded. And it was, it was the first time I ever met Bob. Wow. It was the first time I ever met Donnie. It was the first time that I had ever been immersed into the burlesque scene and seeing all these people coming to it. I mean, I, I will never forget it. I will never forget it. And Coney is such a magical place. I mean, even now with everything that's going on, I mean, I interviewed um, Fredini uh, a couple episodes back, and he was talking a lot about what's been going on. And I mean, anybody who is paying attention knows what's going on, but there is that magic still there. I mean, despite the you know everything that's happening with the land, 
there's still that that spirit, you know. The there's so much magic. The mermaids and, and the so much nostalgia and, the, and yeah. memories, and you can never wash that away. Like that Mm-mm. that magic stain is going to be there, you know. For I mean, you could just feel it. I mean, it's palpable. Yeah, it's absolutely palpable. Have you been down to Coney yet this season? Mm, yeah. How's it looking? Um, it's looking the same, you know, it always looks a little bit the same. And apparently they're putting in, um, two new giant permanent roller coasters. Yes. Uh, Fred was telling me about that. I went for Serpentina's baby shower a couple weeks ago, but I didn't really go up to the boardwalk, honestly, and look around. So I'm not too sure. Oh, I saw you there. That's right. Yeah. I didn't take a big tour. I should have, but you know, I go so often. This past weekend was opening day at the sideshow. Yeah. And Luna Park weekend, opens rather. this weekend, April, and, uh, Easter weekend. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to go out there again and again and again and again and again. Well, you're having your big show in May. I am. Friday, May 30th. <laughs> I can't wait. It's going to be the Return of the Legs Malone show, uh-huh. which I have not done in a very long time. Which I'm And exactly what you were just saying about how the producers, like, save up. like, oh, can I bring them? I was like, it's time to bring the Legs Malone show back. Oh, God. Which, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm still booking and, and, and machinating over. <laughs> hmm. Who can I bring down and what can they do? Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. And I'm so happy that Coney and, uh, you know, the burlesque at the beach still is such a draw for so many people. It's really, it's really special. I mean, thank you for creating that and, you know, perpetuating it. Well, you know, I take great pride in it just because it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's my baby and Fred's baby and I just. I feel very uh, invested in it, you know. I've, I, I don't perform as much as I used to, and I used to put on two or three giant shows a summer, you know. And I don't, I don't put that kind of effort into it anymore because it just I've really ran through so many of my great ideas and my great things that I wanted to personally see happen there. So it's really important to me that the season just carries on, and I, I work really hard to sort of keep um, an overview of what's happening in the burlesque world in New York City and see who's doing what and what shows look really, really good to me and who's really promoting hard, you know, to get, like, a really great audience to see new stuff out there because it's just the audience keeps coming and keeps coming, and every time I think it's arced, it's going to eventually have to dwindle down. It just it, it hasn't at all, you know. Every, every single season is, you know bigger than the last like wow. and every date you know does really well out there every troop so many troops have really solid followings and their fans come out for their shows and then you know i don't know it's just been it's been a really magical thing i wish we could have filmed every single show we've ever had out oh there oh my god oh my god i don't know you know what we would ever do with all that footage <laughs> but there's so, it's just like you said though there's been so many high 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 points for burlesque that are just fleet you know fleeting gone forever into the ephemera you know but that's kind of makes them all the more magical that they weren't filmed that they weren't you know if you weren't there and you didn't experience that magical magical midsummer's night dream you know that's the perfect that's the perfect term for it yeah yeah you're you're either there you aren't (laughs) (laughs) and even like and even like seeing video Videos of performances down there, it's not the same. It doesn't do it justice. The heat, you know, oh there's so God. many so many sensual elements for the audience yes, Jesus, and for that's everyone. Exactly because for me what I love is leaving the building after the show and feeling that like humid ocean air on my skin and absolutely going to Nathan's, you know, after having probably drank too much at the sideshow and mm-hmm. you know, getting French fries and a lemonade and just you know, and just listening to the sounds of everything—it's bumper it's, cars yes. and the cyclone and the Wonder Wheel spinning away and the fireworks and yeah, all the smells and all the crowds, people laughing and the music and oh. it's so special. Pretty freaking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I—I I, I mean, actually, hold on, I'm gonna pause this for just a second. Okay, I was just checking in with Bambi because I would love to hear about your former, hu- your late husband, uh, Indian Larry, who you met down at Coney, yes? I didn't technically meet him there. I, had, I knew him from East Village, and oh, I had okay. met him. Um, I actually knew I was friends with a girl that he dated, and he I was dating another biker that he was friends with. So we knew each other, but um, certainly where we 
bonded and forged our working relationship was in Coney Island because he ran the tattoo motorcycle convention and you know I was the mermaid out there and yeah like that was our big love we went on our first date to Coney Island he picked me up on the motorcycle and we rode out there and in the polar bear club I went with him he's a polar bear I went to the polar bear you know pretty much every week with him so it was very central to our relationship and to you know he would always say that he like found me washed up behind some dumpster (laughs) and like (laughs) And he cleaned me up and put me on the valley, you know. To, he, had, he had a whole, like, you know, mythological story of our meeting, which, in, you know, entailed him finding me, you know, washed up. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. That is hilarious. Yeah, there was a beautiful photo of him hanging down at Coney for a really long time in the gift shop. And it was just, I found it so compelling. Um, how long ago did he pass away? It'll be 10 years. Holy shit. 2004, yeah, this summer's 10 years. Oh, my gosh. It doesn't seem like it. Uh Uh-uh. Yeah, we got married out there. You know that, right? Did you ever see our wedding pictures from the sideshow? No, I didn't. Mm -hmm. You guys got married at the sideshow? Mm -hmm. We got married at the sideshow. I met the great Fredini many years ago before, you know, before burlesque and before everything because... I had another friend who knew about my mermaid obsession and um, that I had been started going to the parade and everything. And she called me one day and she said, you know, there's a big mermaid wedding happening in Coney Island today. My friend Fred is getting married and he's having a mermaid wedding. And I was like, what? I didn't know Fred. And she was like, you should go out there. And I was like, well, what do you mean? She's like, I don't know. Just go. Like, you know, just basically crash their wedding, you know. So <laughs> I, I was like, really? Okay. <laughs> so I went out there, and Fred was marrying Kiva, and I fully crashed the wedding. I just went like I would have been invited and went to the entire wedding. And the pain-proof rubber girls were, in fact, mermaids, and they did um, back bends and walked all the way down the beach, no all the way down to the water in, in back bends and mermaid outfits and um you know essentially i i just like completely infiltrated fred's world and family and became friends with everyone there and dick and met everyone and um that you know probably because i had been seen and attended their wedding you know it was like suddenly i was just like <laughs> you were there <laughs> there i was wow and uh, i became friends with everyone and was very influenced you know by uh, many people i met that day and um so it must have been about, Larry and I got married in 2000, so it was probably five years or so after Fred and Kiva, and um, I couldn't, neither of us could think of anywhere we would rather be married than Coney Island, so I myself had a giant, I had an official mermaid wedding, like it turned out Fred just had the two mermaids in his wedding, but I had a full-on mermaid wedding, and I got married a big white mermaid tail and white shells, and I had all wow. pink mermaid bridesmaids, and uh, Larry had a gorgeous flame sequin flame encrusted tuxedo and dick married us and um it was just beautiful and the upstairs was um wasn't really the museum yet but we had our reception up there and we had an accordion player that played like all old carney accordion songs and we had a big like old 1963 white cadillac convertible it drove us around we had our reception up at rubies and had clams and corn dogs and it was amazing. It was like quintessential, you know, it was June 3rd, and it was just a beautiful, the most beautiful, sunny Coney Island day you could ever imagine. And we rode, the carousel was still running the whole wedding, my whole wedding party went over to the carousel when it was across the street from the sideshow. We all rode the carousel, the whole wedding party, and we all rode the Wonder Wheel, oh and we all gosh. rode the Cyclone. <laughs> it was amazing. It was like you know, absolutely the best day of my entire life. It was so good. Wow. And Dick made a whole, like, wedding, our whole ceremony was all about, you know, like, peoples of the sea, eels, <laughs> clams, you know, like, I don't know. It was like, <gasps> wow. I have a video of it, but I don't really watch it because it's so sad. Of course, of course. <laughs> so, so sad. But and Joe and Whitney were there. They gave me away, and uh, mm. it was great. It was a beautiful, beautiful day. Fred came and his kids, you know, Katya was like four years old, oh my like God. tiny little Katya. And she's in a little pink dress eating an ice cream cone, sitting in the front row oh of my, my wedding. God. Like, And she's about to graduate from high and school. And she's graduating from high school now, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Super cute. Wow. So that's where Miss Coney Island came from, too. It was um, Larry and I had a party every year called Biker Slut, and it was part of 
the motorcycle tattoo convention and we had a big Miss Biker Slut pageant oh. contest. <laughs> and it was biker <laughs> chicks, basically, like wet t-shirt biker chicks and stuff. And um, I had the idea eventually of like, well, we should, instead of just having like Miss Biker Slut, we should have Miss Coney Island. Like, and I, it was, the first year was actually a parody. It was part of Burlesque at the Beach and it was um, my show, my big show for the summer was the Miss Coney Island pageant, and it was basically meant to be a parody of beauty pageants. So it was scripted. I was going to win. Like, there was no, it wasn't a real contest because everyone knew I was going to win. I was, you know, and Larry emceed it, and we had a band, and Larry, um, they made up this beautiful theme song about, you know, the, the two-headed, more beautiful than the two-headed baby in a jar, Miss Coney Island, <laughs> like this beautiful song, and it was all, uh, you know, everyone was in it, Dirty Martini, and World Famous Bob, and Bunny Love, and Joe Boobs, and Anna Curtis, Lady Ace, and like all the original burlesquers from... You know, so this was, let's see, what is it going to be the 12th, 12th anniversary of Miss Coney Island? So it was 12 wow. years ago. Uh, yeah, it was 12 years ago. And um, I won and the whole thing erupted into a big cat fight at the end because, <laughs> which was you know, meant to happen. <laughs> Joe Boobs like punching it out. Like everyone was so mad that they didn't win, you know, but even though, you know, everyone knew it was, it was just, it was going to just be a one-off, like a one-time show, you know, but then it went over. It worked so good and it went over so well and everyone was like, who's going to be in it next year? You know, so we had uh, the second year, it was the second annual, it was all cast and set and then Larry had his accident and he um, died, you know, just another whole terrible part of the story, but uh, Dick called me and he was like, of course we won't have the pageant, you know, because it was literally like a month later and I was like, no, we have to have the pageant, you know, it, it evolved out of Miss, you know, Miss Biker Sled and it was mine and Larry's thing and, and uh, you know, I had kind of stepped up and been Miss Coney Island for the whole year because we had never had a Miss Coney Island since, you know, the last pageants were like in the 20s or the 30s where there really was a Miss Coney Island on the boardwalk and um, it was just such a great thing, so we went ahead and had it and it was beautiful and Julie won and um, you know she became Miss Coney Island and um, there was a whole string of you know Insectivora won Serpentina won Ekaterina's won Gal Friday now there's a whole legion of yeah. um, 11 Miss Coney Islands and each one you know has the whole entire year to reign and sort of develop what she wants to contribute or um, see happen in Coney Island and be a real ambassador of just everything wonderful about Coney Island, so that's part of me and Larry's legacy. That's people and, don't know. And that's, yeah, I didn't know that. That's really that's wonderful to know as well, um, because I mean, I again when I first got introduced to Coney and I started hearing stories about Larry, I mean, he he sounded like I mean he was a shaman for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. You know, the the mermaid and the shaman, and I just yeah I, I, I mean, I'm I'm very sad that I didn't get to know him. Um, but it sounds like you guys had some real special, and I think that's really beautiful. Yeah, we really did. We had, uh, you know, the, the the fairy tale true love that everyone looks for, you know, so. I just keep it very special, and I keep, um, I just keep moving forward and keep having fun, because what else is there, you know? And I know yeah. that's what Larry would want, and I, you know, focus really hard on not being sad about it, you know, I mean, it was obviously very, very sad, but, you know, life moves on, and, and um, I have my new, my, my new boyfriend, Andrew, who was my boyfriend even before Larry, and uh, <laughs> I dated Andrew in my 20s, and then I met Larry, and married Larry, and I stayed friends with Andrew, and then after Larry, I got back together with Andrew, so it's kind of, you know, it's full circle, and it's really nice for me, because we keep Larry as a part of my life, and our family, and our legend, you know, so... With the you know now we have Wiki Watchy. Andrew's living at Wiki Watchy now. Oh you know no that. way! I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. When he he, Not bad. he moved in December to to live at Wiki Watchy to be artist in residency. He's working full time there, oh archiving. Oh my god! Yeah, he's archiving all their stuff and he's developing a um, weekly pod. Uh, is it a podcast for them too? They're um, televising on the internet weekly from Wiki Watchy now. He's filming Amazing. it all. Got all underwater, um, all of his underwater camera gear and everything. So he's helping them get more of a presence and good um you know possibly develop into maybe a reality tv show or something you know like a oh state park well, not a not a scandalous one but a, you know a beautiful one so yeah he's down there working full-time um on that right now so wow um so i have a couple questions because we're just about at an hour not quite though um 
I would love for people to know not only where they can find you, um, but also some of your amazing art projects, including your very cool playing cards, um, as well as any other things that you'd like to share. I mean, I know um, there's still the Indian Larry Motorcycle Shop in Williamsburg. If there's, I don't know if there was a foundation created or anything in his memory. If people want to read up on everything that he did. Um, because he was a fascinating man. He was really great. Um, there's a really good book, Indian Larry Chopper Shaman, which um, I contributed all the photos for. I put in like oh, over so. over 100 photographs in the book. Um, it's a really beautiful book, which I'll show you um, mm. when we're done. But, um, you know, it's a great book if you want to, like, learn about Larry or his life or anything. But the shop is still open, and they have their big block party, memorial block party, every year in September. It's um, usually the weekend after Miss Coney Island. So Miss Coney Island is September 12th this year, Friday, September 12th. And then the Indian Larry Block Party is the following Saturday. So that's a fun uh, fun time in September. All the bikers come, and a lot of bikers come in from out of town or um, you know from basically all over the world. So now I've got a whole posse of them that come in the week early to come to Miss Coney Island, Amazing. and then they stay and go on rides and goof off all week and then end up at the block party on the following weekend. So... That's a lot of fun, a fun time for us. And uh, what else? Yeah, you know, I'm in beauty school right now. So, so exciting. I know. I'm on a hiatus from performing, kind of. Uh, I haven't been doing a ton of shows, but I'm doing. Um, going to beauty school and getting my license, so that's really exciting. Yeah, I'm going to be your bob model. Yeah, you are going to be my bob model. I can't wait. Oh, yeah, you are. I'm going to let my hair get nice and shaggy. Oh, God. <laughs> 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 I'll do a really good job. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I don't doubt it. I'm super into it. You know, I haven't been in school for 20 or 30 years, so it's really fun. That's to go. the best time to go back when you it really, really want to go. I got a go. lot of new 19-year-old friends. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's going really good. I want to really get involved with the seniors. That's my big project. You know, I was moved to Florida. Eventually, I'm going to be moving down to Florida, too, or at least snowboarding. And I want to go in and, like, spruce up all the oldies down there and do all the Oh, my God. They are going to love you. Oh, my God. Yep. That sounds like quite the plan. Yeah. I like that. I'm going to go do mermaid hair at Wikiwachi, do all the girls there, do some nice colored extensions on some people and some... Uh, yeah, I got big, big, big beauty domination plans for oh my God. mermaid stuff when I get done. <laughs> so um, your website, is it cornstar.com still? My website is cornstar.com, but, you know, um, I put that website up in the year 2000, and I've never once updated it. So. <laughs> If you look on it, you will see that Bunny Love and I are performing at the Va Va Voom Room next oh Friday. Oh, my <laughs> God. I never once updated it. So it's 14 years old. It's a vintage archived <laughs> website. Um, I have BambiTheMermaid.com, too, which oh, cool. is, just got some really good old photos because I never once updated that either. So oh my God. I am not on uh, – I do, you know – I do Facebook if anyone wants to um, write to me and ask me questions or anything. I do messaging on Facebook to keep in touch with people, but otherwise I don't really, I don't do much self-promotion or any kind of shtick. I'm just busy, you know, having fun every day, so. And it shows <laughs> in the best possible way. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Bambi. Oh, I'm just thanks for coming over, Lex. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I look forward to seeing you lots more coming up. I look forward to your show, May 30th. Absolutely. And I look Coney forward to Island. seeing your golden mermaid at the Mermaid Parade. Is it June? No, May 20... June 21st. It's, oh, it's end of June. That's right. Yes, yeah, summer, summer solstice. Equina. I'm the exact yeah. solstice. It is. Oh, my it's God. On the solstice. 21st. Exactly. Yep. Ooh. Yep. Ooh. Yes. What are you going to wear? I have not decided yet, but I am actually thinking of getting... Just enough time to start thinking I about know, it. Just <laughs> enough. In the nick of time. Um, yeah, I am uh, I really want to uh, have a whole group of people, and I'd like to have some traveling mermaids come in from out of town. Perfect. And be like, you know, the international... Like, you know, like the, that old French story, Madeline, Ooh. with the little girl and the, like, la- oh, yeah. all, all of her little school friends. Oh, my like, God. Bring lots of... <gasps> it's adorable. Lots of girls to, to come to come do well, it. Well, we'll make sure that you're registered exactly yes. in number line with Blesk at the Beach so we're all together. Done. Done and done. I will make a personalized request in that case. Great. Um, well, thank you, Bambi, again. Thank you, Legs. 
And there you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Bambi. She is such a wonderful woman and uh, oh, so many stories. I actually ended up staying at her house for a solid like two hours after the interview, just talking and hearing so many more stories that are not appropriate for a podcast. <laughs> but my spirit and my heart feel all the richer for having heard them. As she said, she has not updated her website since she created it, and that is cornstar.com. I forgot to find out from her how to get her playing cards, but if you can get your hands on a deck of her custom playing cards, they are extraordinary. If you Google Bambi the Mermaid playing cards or deck of cards, you should be able to find them. They are the craziest, zaniest things I've ever seen, and I'm very fortunate to own two decks of them. And let's see what else. Uh, go out and check out the Mermaid Parade. Uh, Coney Island is currently, Coney Island USA, I should say, which is the umbrella organization there, is still accepting applications. You, too, can march in the Mermaid Parade on June 21st, the exact day of the summer solstice this year. And also, by all means, check out Coney Island USA's website and support them. They got hit really hard by Hurricane Sandy, and they're digging themselves out of a pretty deep hole right now, and they could still really use lots of support. And last but not least, if you would like to read about Bambi's late husband, Indian Larry, by all means, Google him. He was an extraordinary man. I wish I could have known him, but there is a great book about him, about his life, that Bambi co-edited and contributed lots of wonderful photographs to, and there's lots of information on the internet, too. Oh, love. Oh, so heartbreaking, but so beautiful at the same time. So, folks, I wish you a fabulous week. By all means, stay warm, be good, stay healthy, and know that you are loved. Big kiss, and see y'all next week. Bye. Want some lunch for your ears? Lunch with legs. <laughs>